Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Boiled Up with Jake and Justin. Goodness gracious, the sports world has been awakened within the last week, and we have officially seen live basketball and baseball for the first time in what my opinion feels like forever, but it is certainly good to be back. You guys ready to get into this thing? Oh, yeah. Very ready. Oh, we're glad God. to have Nick. Uh, we, we, we're bringing in a moderator into this show, and Nick was one of our top choices, and uh-huh. thank you for accepting, Nick. Thank you for coming yes. on to this show. Uh, it's crazy to be here. I'm a crazy better. guy. I'm a fun guy. Ha, ha. I'm going to see you with the Kawhi shirt on, Justin, so... <laughs> That's yes. the spirit, you know? Exactly. All right. So the first thing we are going to get into today is, of course, the MLB season. And honestly, the t- first two days games of play, in my opinion, were really good. What are your initial thoughts of it, guys? Jake? All right. I'll go first, Justin. So, I mean, honestly, my first opinion when I was first watching baseball this, I guess it was Thursday night, that was the first real game that we had where it was um, – Yankees and Nationals and of course it got cut short which was a little sad only went into the sixth inning before it got cut short but only fitting for 2020 yeah only fitting for 2020 to be honest but it was really it was great I mean it was just a really good feeling I remember I came home I got myself dinner I sat down and I felt like it was a regular just a regular summer night again watching baseball night you know, it, it was a weird feeling. You know, there's no fans. You know, it's funny when you see like a fly ball hit into the outfield, you just look nobody there, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. And it's 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 crazy to see. It looked like an afternoon game for the Orioles, you know, in the summer, to be honest. <laughs> uh, no one in that outfield. But, you know, just to have baseball back, I mean, we got to see Garrett Cole on the mound. And he pitched really well in that game. Max Scherzer was not pitching bad. He had, he had like 10-plus strikeouts. So he didn't play mm-hmm. terrible in that first game. He was entertaining to watch. It was a really entertaining game. And then I thought we were going to get to see Clayton Kershaw later that night, but of course his back tensed up, which is not just a 2020 thing for him. That's just an every year type thing for Clayton Kershaw. Yes, it is. And it was, but you know, you got saw Cueto again, who obviously he's had a rich history. So yeah, it was a fun first day there. And then yesterday we had a whole slate of games. Uh, oh, of course it did stink though. I, I wish there were some games that were at one o'clock. Today we got some games exactly. at one o'clock. Today we got some games at one o'clock, which is going to be nice, especially after this. After filming this, we're definitely going to watch some baseball today. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, finally having baseball all day is great. Um, and honestly, I think it's weird, but you know, it's it's for for given the circumstances, it's exactly all I need right now. You know, I'll take it. I'll just take baseball and in any form right now. So I'm happy with the, the first two days of going. Obviously, what what were your thoughts on the uh, fake crowd noise? Do you like it or do you dislike it? Um, actually, and once we talk about the NBA, I'll bring this up again, because there's, there was some interesting stuff that I've been seeing there in the MLB. I I don't know if I like it or hate it. I think, I think sometimes like it's nice, but honestly, honestly, I think what I like better is having like the music, like having like, you know, like, like, you know, ballpark music playing throughout the game. That I think is a little more important than hearing fake cheers, to be honest, but that's just my opinion, but. I, I mean, we're trying to make the seam as real as possible until we can have fans back. So I guess they're doing the best they can. Yeah, I agree with that. It's weird, but at the same time, I like it. I think it's a good feeling because I think it would be too quiet without it. I just hope it doesn't, yeah. like, lag where the, you can't, like, hear the ball on the bat and, like, the sound of the ball hitting the catcher's mitt. Like, I want to hear those sounds still. It almost makes me feel like I'm at the game hearing it because you just don't hear, like – yeah you just hear it louder when you're at home and you know never really heard that before because you'd have the crowd noise so if they can find the right mix i think it will work i mean the games are really good though i thought the quality of the games were actually really good because i was not expecting these pitchers to go that far a lot of them were going six seven innings and i was Mm -hmm. only expecting them to really go four innings so that kind of surprised me there uh the games were not very close i would say though except for the last one last one last night was amazing that angels uh athletics game that was a really oh my good god game yeah there. into the extra innings grand slam mm-hmm. that was a really good game there but i mean other than that most of the games were actually surprisingly not that close i think the cardinals pirates game was a little close there but a lot of them were kind of yes. blowouts so it that's what happens early on right here teams are still trying to find their stride but i thought I mean, it was a good Nationals opening opening year, day yeah. and opening night Nationals last year started off like what 19 and 30 and then they won, won to mm-hmm. the world series but this year it's different because we've got a 60 game season so you can't get off to a start like that you know exactly yeah it's a shorter season so you don't have all that time to mess up in the beginning and i what do you think of the uh what do you think of the uh second base runner on second base rule to start extra innings 
You like that or dislike that? You know, it kind of reminds me, you know, the college football rule where you would start at like the 25 yard mm-hmm. line. It's a yeah. lot like that. And I don't like that rule at all, to be honest. And I don't like this, this baseball rule, just like it, because I think it's sort of an unfair advantage. You know, what if in that extra inning, you know, let's just say you're the Yankees and you got a guy at second and you got Stanton and judge right in the middle of the lineup, whereas you're facing the nationals and maybe they have the bottom of the lineup going and they have a runner in second, who's got a bigger advantage to get that runner in. Obviously it's the Yankees. So mm-hmm. it's like kind of an unfair advantage in my opinion, but you know, I, I, under, I understand that they're trying new things because even though we love baseball here, there's a, there's been a kind of a declining interest in baseball in general, it seems over these last couple of years. So they're trying to sort of change things up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know for me, I don't like it that much. I think it does add more pressure to the situation, obviously, like yep. there's more pressure for the pitcher. Like as soon as you come mm-hmm. in, you know that you're a base. You could be a base hit away from losing automatically. But it does yep. seem a little bit unfair. In some cases, it can be unfair. Yeah, I mean the runner on second is the last out of the previous inning. So I mean some teams, if like let's say you're the Phillies and you have Roman Quinn strike out to start the inning, yeah, and exactly, the next inning yeah. you have Bryce Harper up to start the game. You get Roman yeah. Quinn on second, he's gonna steal third base easily, and then you already have a runner on third. So I don't know if that's necessarily the way to speed it up because I think. Fans don't lose interest in extra innings. They actually like the extra innings. They yeah, lose interest like through the fourth through seventh inning there. So I think you need to find a way there to speed the game up if you're trying to speed it up, not the extra innings. I think extra innings is actually very entertaining, at least in my opinion. I agree. But did you all see that uh, balloon that went into the field in the Dodgers game the first time? Uh, uh, yeah, the uh, birthday balloon. Yeah, yeah the birthday funny. balloon. <laughs> That, uh, yeah. that adds to the uh, authenticity that you guys talking about with the crowd noise and all that. That's just, it's not that authentic, but it's like, where did that come it's from? Fitting. You're the game. It's fitting. Down. It's fitting it was in LA too, because the Dodgers normally have the beach ball that falls into the, uh, that falls off the outfield stands into the outfield there. So having a balloon fall there was only fitting. Or, um, where is it? It's, um, where's, it's the Diamondbacks who have the big pool too, right? In the yeah, outfield. Diamondbacks have the pool. Yeah, the, the Diamondbacks have that pool in the outfield, and that's awesome. I remember I would always see people at home runs into that pool. That was awesome. Yep. Now, I mean, I, went, I don't think the pool's going to be open anyways, but that'd be cool if they kept it open just to hit balls in too. Have the bullpen funny if they had like, there. Yeah. It'd be funny if they had, like, crowd noise from the pool. <laughs> like, if they somehow <laughs> got that. I don't know. That'd be cool. Coming up with creative waves. Mm-hmm. Try and get interest in baseball more. Uh, of course. So with all the MLB teams playing and, you know, ESPN and other sources are saying, hey, this is what we think of the first team, like first winning team's game and how will they do this year. But the main two that have come up are the Dodgers or Yankees. So for debate, who would you guys pick for a world possible World Series and who would win? Justin, I'll let you take this first. All right. Uh this is tough because it's so early and both teams are very good. And I think injuries will definitely play a part in this because both teams are actually very injury prone. You got some Dodgers pitchers like Kershaw who tend to get hurt. And then you have the Yankees hitters like Studge and Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton who also are very injury prone throughout their careers here. So I think if they both stay healthy on the Yankees and Kershaw stays healthy, both these teams will make the World Series and it will be an epic matchup. But I'd give the advantage to the Yankees. I think – their hitting is just deeper. It's got more power there. And I think they have the better bullpen. The Dodgers' bullpen is not very good. They get Jansen, but up until then, they signed Blake Trennan and uh, Pedro Baez is still there. So both those guys are solid, but like they blew a lot of games last year out of their bullpen, so I'm worried about that. And just their starting pitching depth, the Yankees have more depth there. So I have to give the slight edge to the Yankees, but it's definitely close. All right, for me, for me, it's the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think, and it's look like you said, it's very close. Obviously, when we when I put this debate question up, I, I was like, you know, this this one is tough, you know, and it's it's a very close race. I think, in terms of hitting, obviously, I would take the Yankees hitting. I think the Yankees have a better, more solid, I'd say, depth lineup than in terms of like, you know, all mm-hmm. around. But like, if I wanted to take the pit, if, but when you start to look at the pitching, I feel like once the New York Yankees lost Luis Severino, the Dodgers had to have a huge head up on them in terms of pitching. Because you got Kershaw when he's healthy, and then 
Um, you got Kershaw when he's healthy. You got Walker Buehler too. That's one of the best one-two punches in baseball. I mean, right there. Then you mm-hmm. have that. I mean, hitting wise, of course, we know about the big trade that they just pulled off with Mookie Betts. So that's going to be like, a, obviously, I, and I know you and I have talked about this a lot with Mookie Betts about whether or not we think he's going to be the guy that we think he is or if he's overrated or not. But in my opinion, he's still going to play a big role for that lineup for them, you know, regardless regardless of what happens, you know, with the rest of their season. But he's going to play big for them. Then they got – they still got Turner. They still got Bellinger, obviously, who was one of the best hitters last year. I mean, this is – and Seager, too, I think. Yeah, Seager, he's batting like five. He's batting like five or six now in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And John Pedersen, too. I mean, Pedersen, obviously, he's a little inconsistent, but he can still get it done. But I think that one-two punch at the top of top of the pitching line for them, and I liked what I saw out of Dustin May. I don't know if he's going to stay in in the rotation long term, but he pitched pretty well. He's got a really good fastball. He throws up nine nine hundred miles per hour, you know. And he was he was get, he was getting some strikeouts in that first game, you know. And he had jitters, obviously. I mean, he pitched a little bit last year. I still like Ross Stripling in that lineup in that starting pitching lineup too, although he's not as strong. But that one-two pitching punch is going to be a big problem, I think, for the Yankees playoff time especially if this is the world series matchup that we see so in my opinion right now it would go to the los angeles dodgers if if i had it picked two and it's in a world series right now but because of this extended layoff time obviously things have changed for the yankees they weren't expecting to start the season with judge and stanton both healthy now they're healthy mm-hmm. and they might get they you know they're going to be ramping up quickly quicker than they would have if we had a regular season for, with you know obviously starting in in may in april so you know, that's a big advantage for the Yankees too. And that's why I think it's a little bit closer, but I still would take the Dodgers right now. See, I, I agree. It's definitely close, but I think when you look at the rotation, I'll give the advantage to Garrett Cole. I'll give a slight advantage to Walker Bueller over, over James Paxson. I think their one, two punches are pretty equal there just because I think Cole beats out Kershaw and Bueller beats out Paxton. But after that, I think their pitch starting pitching staff is kind of equal. You don't really know what you're getting out of them. From there, I mean, if Severino makes a return, I agree and that. that's something different. But then I got to give the advantage to the Yankees' bullpen. They have Zach Britton coming out of there, Chad Green. You get guys like Adam Adovino, Araldis Chapman. Those are much better guys than what the Dodgers can bring out outside of Jansen there. They don't really have any bills that I can count on to kind of shut down a good Yankees lineup. So, I mean, when you're looking at it, I think I have to give the advantage to the Yankees still. And, I mean – when your worst hitters probably Luke Voigt maybe in that lineup, that's a very good lineup. That infield is stacked, and when you get to the outfield too, just everything about that Yankees lineup is so good. They can hit for power. They can hit for contact. They got some speed. There's really nothing they can't do, so I just got to give the advantage to the Yankees. I'll agree with you on the bullpen. I think that I think that the Yankees – obviously, I think the Yankees have maybe the best – one of the best bullpens in, in Major League Baseball right now obviously with all those guys and the Dodgers, I have still a very good bullpen, but it's not quite as good as the Yankees. But I just think that with that one, the, and obviously you're banking a lot on the one, two punch here of Kershaw and Bueller. But to be honest, I just think that's enough. You know, I mean, the Yankees have Garrett Cole outside of Garrett Cole. I don't really see anybody in that rotation. I mean, Tanaka doesn't really scare me. I mean, German, when he's there has his moments, but without Severino, they don't really have a second guy who I can consistently rely on in that rotation. So I think it depends gonna, on what James Paxton you get. I mean, I've seen a very yeah, we've, easy, we've seen like, almost James, Cy Young level James Paxton. Before. We've seen so James him, Paxton. I'd give the advantage to the Yankees. If, if I'll give Paxton can somehow come back to where he was well, with the with the Mariners at that one point. I mean, if we get that type of James Paxton, then yeah, we'll see something special. But I don't I don't know if we're gonna really get that out of James Paxton. But we'll see. I also forgot Obviously. about Tanaka. I'm, that was my bad. I forgot about Tanaka, too. I, I'd give the advantage. The number three starter, I'd give the advantage to the Yankees there because Tanaka's there. But then I say the fourth and fifth starters are pretty equal there. But I think I would have to give the slight rota- rotation, pitching rotation edge to the Yankees just because I think when you can compare the top three guys, I'm giving two out of three to the Yankees. Plus, as much as uh, I know you like Stanton and Judge, obviously – they're very they're, those are another two guys who you sometimes don't know what you're going to get out of those guys and, and especially with a guy like Gary Sanchez too this is kind of home run or bust sometimes for these New York Yankees obviously mm-hmm. we call them the Bronx Bombers for a reason but mm-hmm. they they are sometimes home run or bust and in the playoffs that can be very very tricky 
That's that's all that we've seen. We know that the Yankees have had some trouble. I mean, the Yankees have had good teams year in and year out, and yet we still haven't really seen them get the job done. I think it's a big part it of that. It can hurt, though. A lot of these teams aren't healthy when they make the playoffs. So maybe in a shortened season, yeah. there won't be as much wear and tear on the body, and they'll be able to stay healthy into the playoffs. We shot, that, that could be interesting. The only thing that I would say about that is there's going to be less off days for players now because it's only 60 games. You can't That's probably fair. rest as much. So it kind of. But they're also well. probably more well rested than they have been in the past. Yeah, I think they're ready for the 60 games, right? It's just, do you see them lasting 60 games through and then being able to play 20 to 30 more games? Well, 20 to 30 more games in the playoffs, possibly, especially with this new 1A format. There's going to be more playoff games. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It's definitely close when you're comparing these teams and it's still very early but I think honestly injuries will play the biggest part in this matchup because I don't think a lot of these teams have injury prone players so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out it will be I um I'm not quite sure what's I, I think I mean it's it's obviously I, I like this new playoff format actually and I know I just brought it up I really like this 1-8 playoff format because I think it's going to it's going to allow for all these teams that were kind of on the edge that still had really good records, get into the playoffs and get a good chance to make it in, you know, at least a little bit further. Cause I think in baseball out of all the sports, we've really seen a lot of teams kind of get robbed of a playoff spot after having a really good season. So I'm interested to seeing what that one eight format is going to look like once we get to the postseason. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for that. So much. I think when you look at the setup of how the things work, I think, there's really two really good teams in the NL East with the Phillies and the uh, the Braves. Those are my two teams in the NL East. You go I wouldn't the count NL Central, on the Nationals yet. I wouldn't count the Nationals either, but they're at a disadvantage without Soto, and the Mets mm-hmm. are at a disadvantage without uh, Stroman and Syndergaard. So I'm, count, I'm discounting those two teams right there. But, I mean, I think the Phillies and Braves are the two favorites to start now. You get – NL Central is going to be loaded. I don't know what you're going to get out of there, but, I mean – it gives the Reds a very good shot to now make the postseason. When they were kind of looking on the outside in, they kind of have a good shot now. I think they'll at least get a wild card. And another team I think it helps is the uh, San Diego Padres. I think they're a very mm. sleeperish team. I here. think they're a sleeper too. And I was, Chris Paddock pitched amazing yesterday, and they got that nasty lineup with uh, Tatis Jr. and all these other guys. So you got Hosmer and a couple Will Myers. You got different guys in there. So. I'm excited for that team, and I think that helps them because the Dodgers were clearly winning that division. The Padres never really had a shot, so now they have a chance to get in. So it gives teams like that more competition. You go to the NL, NL West, you, I mean AL West, you get the Texas Rangers possibly making a run, Athletics and, and the uh, Angels. Those teams were kind of behind the Houston Astros for a while there, so we'll see what happens out there. And then you get to the uh, AL Central, gives the Twins and Indians will be in there maybe even a third team with the wild card. And then the AL East, it gives the Rays a chance because I don't think the Rays really had a chance in that division behind the Yankees. So it just gives all these other teams more opportunities this year. Yeah, speaking of sleepers, a team that I want, a team that I was thinking about bringing up here and that I didn't really think about until a few days ago was the Cincinnati Reds. First of all, the Cincinnati Reds have one of the best one-two punch pitching uh, starting pitchers in baseball with Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. And, and can't, they're playing, can't forget about Trevor Bauer. Trevor and Bauer Trevor Bauer, yeah, don't forget about him. When, and when Wade, Trevor Wade Miley, well, Wade Miley's good. not bad either. And think about who they're going to be playing. They're going to be playing, you know, awful teams pretty much throughout these whole 60 mm-hmm. games. I mean, not a lot of hard competition for them in those two divisions. A lot of good games against the Pirates, Tigers, and Royals, so. Yeah, I mean, nobody that really scares you, obviously. So they could be a team that makes some, some surprise noise. Um, but but if you look at that division, they were gonna have to be playing the playing behind the uh, Cubs and the Brewers and there and the Cardinals. So like when you look at that, you're thinking that's four teams for one spot and two wild card spots. One of those four teams has no shot of making it. Now two of those teams could win the division and two of them get the wild card spots. All four of them can now make the playoffs. So that's a huge advantage there. Oh yeah, easily I think because of just who they're gonna be playing. <laughs> You know, that's a huge factor in what their record's going to be. So I just wanted to throw that in there a little bit about possibly some underrated teams here because I think there is going to be some funky stuff that happens this season. Don't sleep on my Toronto Blue Jays now. Bo Bichette. Yeah. I love Bo Bichette. Oh, my goodness. And Nate Pearson, if he pitches and all their rotation, I think they could have a wild card shot. If not this year, definitely next year. Vladimir Guerra, too. There's a lot of teams that are going to be in the playoffs this year that we did not expect just because they doubled it. Yeah. I mean, teams that probably weren't even in discussion last year would have made it, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Because if you look at these teams last year, so many more of these teams that were contending would have made in. I think the postseason would have been more interesting last year. With that. Oh, for sure. Although last year's postseason was very, very good. That was some of the oh, best baseball I've seen in a while. But, yeah, I think it would be even better with these one through eight. I think it's just going to keep progressing from there. Yeah, I hope they keep this format even into future years because it gives more entertainment, revenue, and a lot. It's, like, easier scheduling now for the playoffs team. So, I yeah. agree. And one of the premier players of the league is Mookie Best. And as you guys discussed, he has received a 12-year, $392 million extension to his 13-year-now contract. Is it really that worth it, though, for a guy from this caliber to be traded in the winter and then to receive this massive extension basically the day before opening day? I've thought about this a lot, and I've actually reverted my opinion on it. I'm going to say yes. I think Mookie Betts is worth this contract. I know this contract goes out until he's about 40 years old, but the more I look into it, the more that I realize Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts is, is one of the best players in baseball. He really is. And the stats proved, I know, I know a lot of people go back and say that he's got, I think, you know, everybody's like, Oh, he just had one huge one MVP season where he batted 346, you know, and won the MVP in 2018. But in terms of war, which is like a pretty big baseball stat, he has, and it's still early in his career, so it's hard to really judge this too impactfully, but he has the eighth best in MLB history. He's up there with some of these guys. Like Mike Trout's number two, and Mookie Betts is number eight. So I was like, that must mean something. This is like wins attributed for or something, I believe. And Wins above replacement. I, yeah, wins above replacement. So imagine – and that's why, again, he. I was considering Dodgers-Yankees, Dodgers-Yankees, and I was like, Mookie Betts just got thrown into that lineup for basically the Dodgers really didn't give up anything. You know, nothing really too important. And you just throw Mookie Betts into that lineup, who's one of our best, one of the best hitters in the game, and one of the best guys at just getting on base, too, and him putting in runs and scoring runs. I mean, he's going to be special. He's, I mean, in terms of his outfield defense, too, he's, he's really good, too. But obviously, I think they brought him there for the hitting because this guy, we've seen him bet 350 in the season, you know, in that MVP year in Boston. And obviously, Boston's a very hitter friendly park. So I want to see what he does in LA and not as hitter friendly park. But I really think he's going to be special with the Dodgers. And I know it's crazy money, but I think in sports, and especially in baseball, we're going to see a lot of contracts like this with these top-tier players. So to be honest, I think in a couple of years, this will be what the top-type players will pay, these big, long deals, keep them there in that city for a while. You know, I mean, we saw the Mahomes deal in football. Locking up long-term security is really important, you know, with players demanding trades and stuff. And now they lock down one of the best outfielders in the league, one of the best hitters in the game for the rest of his career. And I think he's going to do special things in L.A. I think in those 12 years, they're going to get at least one World Series, maybe two. So I really like that deal for the Dodgers. I think it was a smart deal. I think they're going to, it's going to pay off really good for them in the long run. And I feel bad for the Red Sox. I think part of the – one of the Red Sox things they were doing is like, oh, Mookie's a free agent. Maybe we can bring him back and pull like an this Chapman like uh, – like the Yankees did, and no, that, that, that is not what happened. And he's going to be an L.A. Dodger for a very long time. And I think if, I'm a, if I was a Dodgers fan, I'd be very happy. You're keeping one of the best hitters, one of the best outfielders in the game um, for many years to come. So I like that deal a lot. See, Mookie's just not worth that money. I don't think really any player is because even Mike Trock or guys are not worth that money, especially at this time. And it's going to screw the Phillies over because now some team will end up paying, paying JT Ramuto big yeah. for this. But you're at this, you're at this point where you're in this pandemic. Why are you paying a guy like this when there's so much uncertainty? You could have waited, let him hit the market. And when you're the Dodgers, nobody's going to be paying this guy that much money. No other team has to pay him that much money. Nobody's willing to. So why not let him hit the market and then just give him match the best offer by a couple extra million, and then you're set. Like I don't understand what the point was point of signing him now was in my opinion it was just a dumb move wait for the season to play out let him hit free agency and then work on a deal and you probably would have gotten him at a cheaper rate because I don't think anybody's gonna pay him that much money like he's a very good player I'm not like gonna criticize him there but I don't think he's worth that much money I don't think he will stay a top five outfielder throughout the rest of his career here you got Yelich, Bellinger, and Trout who I do not think are better I think all three of them are better than him right there and I think Soto and Acuna Jr. will be better than uh, better than him anyway. So when you're looking at those numbers, 
I don't know if he's necessarily going to be worth it in the end because that's going to take him to what forty? I think he's yeah, he's forty right now. That that's really risky because I think they laid it out so he's getting a little backloaded onto that contract, if I believe too. So there's going to be heavy money towards the end there, which is kind of risky. So I'm not sure how much it will pay out. We'll see how this works because. What happens if this MLB goes to a hard cap because they're not making enough revenue off this season because of the shortened, not as many games and no fans in the stadium, no concessions, none of that. So it's a very risky move by the Dodgers. I think they could have waited, got them at a cheaper price, and it all would have worked out. Um, and I think it really screws the Phillies over in the end because now everybody's asking for JT Ramuto to be signed. And honestly, I don't think he should be signed right now either because his asking price is way too high. And I think if you let him hit free agency, nobody else is paying him that much money with the pandemic. And I, it could work. And I know this is bringing up Real Muti and we're going a little bit off topic, but I actually think it could be beneficiary for the Phillies in a way because after the end of this MLB season, there's probably going to be a hard cap, right? Mm-hmm. That's so that could completely change. Like Mookie might, might have gotten balled out now with the money. But that con- that type of contract might not be able to happen after this MLB season. So Rio Muto might be forced to take what the Phillies can give him, which might be the max they can give, but also the max anybody else could really give. Exactly. That's why I think they just should have It's It's an interesting thing because it's a bunch of what-ifs you don't really know. But honestly, I don't think Mookie Betts will stay top five outfielder for very long. I think he is borderline top five right now. But I think he will fall out of that top five very soon with Soto and uh, Soto and Acuna right there. So I think it's a slightly overpay here. I think he's a solid player, but it's a slight overpay by the Dodgers and was not necessary at the time. It's all uncertain now, but I think it was just, it was bound to happen. Like these star players, like I think they just want to get paid now, even with the uncertainty, and then they can fix wages later. But for a guy like Mookie Betts, I think he's top five right now. And that's just my opinion. I think him, Real Muto, and then you saw Trout get 14 years. So it's just going to keep going with all these star players, especially outfielders. Like, in my opinion, outfield is the best position in the game, most versatile. And you see these guys get skyrocketed now. Definitely. Well, the NBA is next week, right? Yeah, so we got MLB this week. Start of the NBA next week. And we actually have breaking news the Knicks just uh, hired Tom Thibodeau yep. for the yep. upcoming season. So I, I thoughts on that deal. because Tom Thibodeau, great coach. Well, a lot of history Justin, behind it. What do you guys think? I, I know you. I know you must have just found this because you just threw that threw this in here. But I actually mm-hmm. saw this coming. I mean, I think earlier this week we saw the Knicks discussing contracts with him. So I mm-hmm. figured it was going to happen. But I thought they were going to interview at least a couple other guys. But Mm-hmm. I guess they really liked what they saw out of Tom Thibodeau. And I think this is a good signing. I, I know this is just breaking news right now. We don't, we don't know exactly who's going to be on his staff. But I, really, I like Tom Thibodeau. I think he's a pretty good coach. I think he's better than what the Knicks have had recently, at least. I mean, they can't do much worse. He's going to go, be going into a really good situation here. He's, got, he's already got R.J. Barrett. They're going to have a top three, top five pick. They're going to get one of the top players in the draft. So automatically you got two really well. I think I'd love to see Lamelo Ball in New York. I've been saying that, you know, I think yep. he fits perfectly in there. So you can get him, you know. If you can't get him, you're gonna get a guy like Obi Toppin, maybe, maybe Wiseman. You know, you don't know. Well, probably not Wiseman because they already got Mitchell Robinson. But, you know, yes, my boy Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, but um, I, I like the signing for the Knicks. I'm not completely shocked by it. I'm, I'm happy. If I was a Knicks fan, I'd be jumping over, over the head right now just because this is the first real head coach that they've had in a long time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, it's a good son. He's a veteran coach. He's got good experience. He can develop these young guys and he has a great team. I think the Knicks coaching job was actually one of the more intriguing openings out there. You know, you see the Knicks and you're like, ew, they've been so bad. But I think really it's intriguing because you get a guy like RJ Barrett, you get the top pick. And I really, really like Robinson there at center. So I think it's a good fit there. I think he can develop the players a bit. And I think they will become a solid team. Maybe not playoff team, but they'll be they'll be in contention for the playoffs at least next year, assuming they do keep that top couple picks, probably top three, top five pick, and get a solid player with it. I think they this guy will put them in playoff contention next year. 
maybe not make the playoffs, but he'll be at least be ten through eight in that range there. Um, I still think they're a little bit of a ways away from the playoffs. Um, I think even if you get a guy like a Lamelo Ball, maybe a free agent in this off season, it's still the New York Knicks. They got a lot. They got a lot to a lot a lot to get where they can get in contention, but. I mean, look at what you know. The Pel- look at what the Pelicans and the Grizzlies have done this season with their young cores. They've been sniffing the playoffs, so I think mm-hmm. that the Knicks could start sniffing the playoffs with these young guys. But Thibodeau, while he's a very good coach, he was a guy who took a while to build up the Bulls, but they were really good. He went to Minnesota, and they were not patient enough for him because he's all about like process stuff. So I think it's mm-hmm. going to take a little bit for them to buy into his system. But if they buy into Thibodeau's system, they will be good. In for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of – when I say playoff pitcher, I'm really banking on them getting LaMelo Ball. I really like him, and I think him, I like him a lot. RJ Barrett, and uh, Mitchell Robinson, I think that would be a very good big three to build around there. Add a couple shooters, and I think you have a very good team there. So, at least not very good, but at least a solid contending for the playoff, like eight spot in the East. So – uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I want to see who's on his staff, and I want to see how the draft goes for him, or at least what pick they get with it, because who knows? Maybe they trade the pick. You never know. Mm-hmm. You could trade the pick, get, a, get maybe not a star, but at least a very good young player possibly out of that pick. So, Yep. But if they get the chance to draft LaMelo Ball, they should. They really 100%. should. They, they need him in there to be the point guard. With him, they'll definitely be top eight in like two years. Got it. Now, with teams in the playoffs, not out of the playoffs, um, the Sixers have uh, played – they played the Grizzlies last night, and we saw a couple of players develop, Shake Milton, Furkan, and also now Ben Simmons. He made a three-point shot, and he's been developing. Yeah, that was great to see. Yeah, for the past few months now, including in quarantines. So does that really solidify the Sixers in contention for a playoff spot? Yes, absolutely. I think it does. I mean, looking at – his ability to space the floor. I don't think that's necessarily the biggest thing, but watching that game last night, it was the chemistry this team developed. I think the Sixers mm-hmm. are a true contender in the East. They have a true chemistry, like just, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like that fit that everything just worked yesterday. I mean, they had their fifth string guys, out, their third string guys out there. And then uh, Grizzlies were playing their best guys and they were still holding on to the lead. So I really think this team is going to be a contender. They're deep. Uh, if Ben moving to the four helps them out, then that's even better because they were already a solid team with him at point guard. And if things don't work out there, he can play point guard. I mean, the guy had nine assists in the first half playing at a forward spot. So I think his versatility is just so huge for this team. And the layoff just helped with the chemistry. I think at least seeing him that he's shooting the shot will just build confidence for the whole entire team almost. And, I mean, we saw the reaction of the bench when he was shooting the threes. They were going crazy for him. So, I think just the the way this team has united together and just kind of come as one is just amazing. And I think that will help them a lot and will propel them to run to at least the Eastern Conference Finals, in my opinion. Um, I agree. I think this is huge. This is huge for the Sixers, and we're big Sixers fans here. I think this is a re- this is really big, 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 big news for our Philadelphia 76ers um, because I've been dying to see this over and over again every year. Ever since Ben's been in this league, I've been waiting for him to finally start shooting this three-pointer with at least attempting it. Joel Embiid started just attempting it just because it helps – it actually helps his game a lot more because it brings the defense out. They're not just going to sit in the paint mm-hmm. and wait for him. And Joel Embiid's not a good three-point shooter, but he shoots about five to six a game just to get the defense out on him. And I've been waiting for Ben Simmons for so long. At the start of the season, Ben was actually shooting threes. Like, not every game, but, you know, there were games where he was shooting one or two attempts per game, and he was hitting them. And then all of a sudden, something happened in, like, game 12 or 13, and Ben Simmons must have had, like, something must have happened psychologically because all of a sudden he didn't attempt a three, like, the rest of the season – and, he, you know, somebody in the media asked him about it. And he was like, I'm going to play the way I want to play. And then now all of a sudden, you know, two weeks ago, you know, he was draining threes in practice. And he's, he was telling, uh, I think it was like Tony Snell. He was like, I'll see you in Orlando. Orlando. That was all he kept saying was Orlando. You know, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, well, maybe finally he's going to start shooting the three. And then I had a huge smile on my face because literally it must have been four minutes into the game yesterday. And he attempted a corner three, missed the first one. But I was just happy he attempted it. 
And then I think it was in the second or third quarter where he attempted another corner three, splashed it, and oh, it was just heaven to see. You know, it, uh, it's too bad that, that the game wasn't in Philadelphia because I think everybody would have been jumping down like crazy. You know, oh, yeah. just like they did when he hit the three in the regular season and even the preseason. I think that was one of the craziest moments. Um, when Ben Simmons is a three, it's like a historical like moment. You know, I, it shouldn't be. I think no. in a couple. I think. I think by the end of this bubble season, he'll be solidified as a guy who can at least shoot the three, you know, and I think there'll be no more talk about, can he do it? I think he's heard the noise. I think he's finally had enough. I'm not sure. I hope he's finally had enough because it's only been a scrimmage, but I think without the fans, he's a lot less, maybe it's anxiety. I mean, honestly, it could be anxiety with him, with the fans, you know, but if he starts hitting them in the bubble here, maybe he'll get more comfortable when obviously fans come back for the next season. So, um, yeah, yeah, and I think also as a Sixers fan, and I would just want to bring this up to you, I, I really liked what I saw out of everybody yesterday. I really liked mm-hmm. Shake Milton at the point starting. I thought he was really bringing up the ball well. What I love about Shake Milton is he can create his own shot. You know, the thing that kind of the thing that kind of hurts some of these other guys like Furkan, like Glenn Robinson to an extent, like Alec Burks to an extent, is they can't really create their own shot. Shake Milton's one of those guys who kind of reminds me of Lou Will because he can create his own shot. He can get scorching hot. Um and he's also a really great dribbler and passer. And I think he's going to be – I think he's a really good fit in that starting lineup. I like this fit next to – especially next to Jay Rich. Yeah, I mean, I don't – I'll touch on Ben Simmons first. I mean, yeah, you what you said was right. I'm worried about what's going to happen next, though, because he did take that jump shot in the preseason there and in the beginning of the regular season. And the Sixers started off hot. They started off the season – what was it, like 6-0 and at the start yes, of the year? Five so they were playing well, and that's kind of how we saw them play last night. So I'm curious to oh, see yeah, if that will transition because we saw this one side of the Sixers and it clearly collapsed by the middle of the season. So yeah. I'm curious to see what happens now with them. And then you touched on anxiety. I do think Ben Simmons' issue with shooting the three is anxiety. I think he's worried about something. There's something mentally wrong there. And that's mm-hmm. his issue. He did see a sports psychiatrist about it. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if that's maybe what helped him because that would make a lot of sense in my opinion because we've seen him shoot it in practices, in the empty gyms and all that stuff, and scrimmages, stuff like that. But we never really saw it with a full crowd there. So I think maybe right now, now that all these games are going to be televised, they kind of can block that out, kind of think they're not televised himself and just realize it's empty gym there and it will help him. And then hopefully next year it translates into him being able to shoot in a real gym with fans. So it'll be interesting to see there. But, yeah, the Sixers looked great last night. I was really impressed. Like I said, even their third stringers were like holding their own against the Grizzlies starters at the end of that game. So uh, it, it was nice to see. It's early. It's only a scrimmage, so it's tough to tell. It's hard to judge anything off of it. But, I mean, I was impressed for sure. I think Brett Brown did a good job with this team, keeping them kind of together. They look united. They seem set on that lineup that they're going to use now. So I'm excited for it. I want to see more, more of it kind of still. I'm not sold on it yet, but – I'm more than halfway there on it. I have every single Ben Simmons three-pointer saved on my Instagram memory, so let's, let's hope it yeah. let's hope it develops. I mean, just yeah, like, like I'm that, saying, it's like that. a historical thing right now. Mm-hmm. And even Shake at the point guard, you know, he very versatile. So I love And now moving on to the West, we have actually a new up-and-coming team in the playoffs. I mean, they've been up-and-coming, the Denver Nuggets, but now we really got to see them. I think, and blossom into, like, a top three team in the West. And they've actually debuted, like, an anti-small ball lineup recently. So what are your thoughts about that? The bowl, the Jokic point guard and Bo Bowl at small forward I, I think that lineup is so overrated. I mean, yes, it's big. How are they going to play in transition? None of them can run. They may out-rebound you, but, like, they're not going to be shooting the threes. Like, Bo Bowl. People are hyping him up, and I think that's great. He did play decent. But you got to remember, he had five turnovers. He shot under 50% from the field. He was six for, I think it was 15 from the field. And he was two for eight from three-point range. That's not very good at all for a guy that's supposed to be a stretch big. Two for eight from three, that's not very good. So I was a little disappointed, actually, in how he, how efficient he was. I think people were overhyping him. I don't think it will really work. I mean, we saw with the Sixers so far, they tried to build this anti-small ball lineup, this big man lineup, and it did not work. I actually think the Rockets' small ball lineup will have better success than any Nuggets' big ball lineup. So I don't like it at all. 
I love, love Bobo. I love Bobo. He is, honestly, ever since he was drafted and brought in the league, I was so excited for him. And we didn't see him really at all before this bubble, which was so funny. I think out of nowhere, I was like, Bobo's starting for the Nuggets in a scrimmage game? I was like, what? I was like, what is going on? And Bobo played great. I mean, he played so well, and I know he shot a little under 50%, but he had like five or six blocks to go along with the 16 points. He played so well that they had to drug test this man. They had to drug test this man after the game to make sure that everything was okay. I don't know what the results of that test were. Maybe he's on some roids. But he played really, really well for his first, like, honestly, it was the first, like, game where I've really seen Bobo actually play a lot. So I think this guy has a lot of potential. I mean, we know it is – um, we know what Manupo does, so it kind of goes in the family. But I think he could be better than him. He can actually stretch the floor with three. I mean, if he can block shots like this, hit threes, and put up 16 to 20 points, he could be a huge asset for this Nuggets team. And you, you throw in Michael Porter Jr. eventually for this team. The Nuggets, I think they're going to be really good, really good for the years to come. I don't like Jokic that much. I don't know why people think he's better than Embiid. That's just blasphemous. But, you know. Oh, I hate when people say that. That's It's so bad. But I think they have so much around Jokic that he can kind of play his sort of point guard, point forward, point center, whatever you want to play, and play it pretty well, kind of like Bam on a bio with the Miami Heat. And I think the Nuggets are better than the Heat, obviously. I think the Nuggets, not necessarily with this lineup, but with, with the contributions of Bobo, because I don't think this lineup's really what they're going to run with in the playoffs, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can add in a productive Bobo onto this team, that's an incredible asset. I love Bobo. I think – I always thought Bobo could be really good because of his size, obviously. If he could just develop the shot, and it looks like he's been working on his shot because he had a couple threes. But he's got to shoot the ball, obviously, a little bit higher percentage and a higher clip than what he shot in that scrimmage game. But he can, he'll, he'll learn how to do that. He can stretch the floor. And if he can block shots like that, I mean, oof, oh boy, Bobo is going to be a problem. I, I like that lineup. I thought it was an interesting lineup. I don't think it's a lineup you go with for the whole game, but maybe five to ten minutes of the game you put in that lineup, kind of like the Warriors did with their death lineup back in the day, um, and you just kind of see what happens. And I liked what I saw from it. The issue with that is, though, none of them can get back on transition defense. Jokic is slow. No. Bobo Bo- is athletic enough. He can kind of contest in, on the fast break, but not much. And then you get Millsap, and I believe it was Plumlee out there. Was there some yep. of those were the four big men out there? So, I mean, none of those guys are really transition defenders. So, if you're like a team like the Houston Rockets, you just get the rebound, give it to Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook is beating all four of them down the court every single time for an easy layup. So, I really don't like it. I think maybe against certain teams it may work, but I think it will kind of get exposed. I don't think it's a playoff lineup. I think it's just kind of something to mess around with. Maybe you go with it down the stretch and like, a zone let's say you're up 10 points with a couple minutes left and you just want to kind of slow the ball on an offense and then have everyone get back and just I don't know just kind of play a zone in there and compact the paint maybe it's something you do if a team doesn't have shooters out there like the 76ers maybe but realistically I don't think it works you know I think I'm going to compare Bobo to kind of like a Rudy Gobert because he was drafted late first round Developed in the G League, and now he's like this defensive stud. Now with Bull, yeah. we have a lot of variety, a lot of options. You know, is, is he more defensive or offensive with the threes and all that? So I think it's an interesting development nonetheless. Hmm. Interesting. And speaking of top three teams in the West, there's always, you know, eight teams that make the playoffs. And now what kind of playoff series outside, I, I think, top three are Nuggets – Lakers and Clippers, what other teams or series would you guys want to see in the playoffs this year for the West, especially? Well, obviously the number one series that we all want to see is Lakers, LeBron James and, and Kawhi's Kawhi Clippers. That, that's, Clippers. that's what we want to, that's what we want to see. And we all know that, but if I was thinking about a series and that would also be extremely interesting in terms of like, you know, quality of games, maybe get, I'm looking for a series we can get six or seven games out of it. I think it's obvious. I think it's Celtics-Sixers. I think Celtics and Sixers would be the the second-best series we could see in the playoffs right now. First of all, you got that Boston-Philly rivalry already going. I think the Sixers match up really well against Boston. I think we'd beat them. I don't know if we can beat them in four or five games. I don't think so because I think you're going to have to give them a couple games because of Tatum, because of, their, because of all their guards and forwards that they have. That will give us a little bit of trouble. 
But I think with the Sixers inside game versus the Celtics outside game, that's going to be a hell of a series. I mean, Joel Embiid's going to go off. Jason Tatum's probably going to play very well. Ben, what that series will really come down to, in my opinion, will be Ben Simmons. And for the, if I was a Celtics fan, it's going to be Jalen Brown because you probably know what you're going to get out of out of Tatum. You know you're going to get 25 to 30 points a game. Can you get 20 out of Can you get 20 out of Brown? Can you get Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor to slow and beat down? Probably not. You're probably going to give up 30 and 13 to our boy Embiid. But can you slow and beat down a little bit? Maybe. Can Jalen Brown give you 20 plus points? That's how they're going to have to win the series against us. And for the Sixers, it's not about Embiid. Obviously, we know he's going to play well against Tyson and his cancer. It's all about whether or not Ben Simmons can produce, Tobias Harris can be consistent, whether we can get some type of bench scoring or some type of wing scoring out of Korkmaz, Jay Rich, Shake Milton, uh, Glenn Robinson, any of those guys playing at least half decent for us would be all we need in terms of boost against the Celtics. But I think that's a series that would probably go six to seven games. I think if it was – I think it would be even better of a series to see if we had crowds because it's two of the most passionate fan bases in sports. But alas, we won't be able to see that. But outside of Lakers Clippers, if I had to pick one series that I would really want to see, it's got to be Boston and Philly. I think that would be an unbelievable either first round or second round series to see um, in this bubble. I really would love, I would just love to see that. I'd love to see us beat Boston, especially after what they did to us two years ago. Um, But I just think that'd be a great series. I disagree with that. I think the Sixers would beat them in five because you don't have the fans there. So the Sixers' advantage is they don't play on the well on the road, and the Celtics play well no. at home. I just don't think but the, our I think the Sixers do play win that really, game. really good at home. Exactly, and I think these are more of home games than road games because you know what you're getting. You're used to the environment now, and I think it's almost like a home game for you every time you step out on the court. And I think that will truly help them. I think no fans actually helps them a lot, and I think. The Sixers beat them in five just because they already beat them three out of four times in the regular season. That was with Sixers players being hurt. They still beat them three out of four times. I just do not see the Celtics matching up well against the Sixers at all. I think they'd beat them in five, honestly. I don't think that'd be a good series. If anything, give me the Heat versus the Sixers if you're talking a Sixers matchup. I think that would be a great one because you have Jimmy Butler, who certainly wants to kill his old team right there. He's not going to go down without a fight. And they got the shooters out there to at least make it an interesting game. And Bam's a half-decent defender on Embiid, much better than anything the Celtics could provide. So I think that's a much better matchup. Uh, if I had to put two other matchups there, it would probably be – I think Bucks heat would be a very good matchup. I think that would be one where I think the Bucks may actually upset the – I mean, the Heat may actually upset the Bucks in that. That may be a little bit of a hot that. take. But I, I think that could happen in the East. And then if I went out West – I've been saying it. I think the Lakers against a guard-heavy team would be a very good series. I think Lakers versus Rockets or Lakers versus Trailblazers would be a bad matchup for the Lakers just because they don't have the defenders to guard. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Damon Lillard, or CJ McCollum. I think those would be very bad matchups for the Lakers, meaning the games would go six to seven games. I'm not saying they'd lose, but I think it would be a very interesting series, to say the least, there. And, I mean, I guess if the – if the Rockets had to continue with their small ball lineup out there and the Nuggets put out their tall ball lineup there, I think that'd be a funny series just to watch how that would play out. I don't think, I don't think it would be a good series. I think the Rockets would kill them in that series just because they have all the shooters and the Nuggets big men couldn't contest with the transition game that the Rockets would play in. But I mean, I think that'd be a fun series to watch, not necessarily be a good series, but a fun one to watch. Um, Oh my, at first, all right, I I obviously I hate I obviously I hate that take about the Rockets and the Trailblazers giving the Lakers any trouble. They're not going to give them any trouble for for God's sakes. I mean, first of all, well, Avery Bradley losing Avery Bradley is not good for the Lakers, but I think that's more important in a Clippers series than against the Rockets or what? even even the Trailblazers because I think actually you're not giving enough credit to Contavious Caldwell Pope, J.R. Smith. These are good they, guard defenders. They didn't guard the point guards. They weren't there in the regular season guarding the point guards. That was, well, they're gonna have to that was them now. Avery Bradley. Exactly. That's that's exactly think, my point. I think KCP, KCP is solid. Really but who are you gonna, K- KCP was a solid backup defender there, but who else is going to guard him? Like, I don't see how that's possible. I don't think anybody could really help out there. Like, obviously, KCP can be solid, but he's not going to be excellent like Avery. But Avery Bradley is probably top five when it comes to point guard defenders. So, 
that's a huge loss for them. And I think I the think Rockets' KCP small ball lineup has had success. On, n- n- no, not I, I like no. KCP as a defender. I think he's really good. Yeah, but he is not good enough to replace Avery Bradley. He's solid, but he was alongside Avery Bradley there for the most part. He wasn't really playing with. He wasn't playing in Avery Bradley's place when he came off the bench. He was playing with him. So that's the only issue there. I don't think he's much of a point guard defender. He's more of a shooting guard defender, which you already have it now with J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters. So they're going to get exposed in that area when you have two guards out there. Because fine, there. Who do you want to throw Avery Brad? Who do you want to throw KCP on? Russell Westbrook or James Harden? Pick, 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 a, pick, pick whoever you want. Here's you if I'm the Lakers, one. this is this is what I do. I put KCP on Russell Westbrook, and I put LeBron on James Harden. I LeBron put LeBron on James Harden. James Harden. I think LeBron I'm sorry, not 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 in today. If this was if this was 23 year old LeBron James, absolutely, LeBron would be a beast on him. But we're talking about an old LeBron James here, an old LeBron, not not He's still young. good. He's still great. No, He's still great. No. Michael Jordan was all defense at age 35. These guys can do it. They're that good at their age. I had to leave from a while, while West be heating up. <laughs> no. Yeah, Nick couldn't take the heat. Dude, no, LeBron is not a good defender anymore. He just doesn't He's still put a, in the when, effort. Playoff no. LeBron is different. That's all I'm gonna playoff say. LeBron, we haven't seen player. him. In, we haven't seen playoff LeBron in two years. How are you gonna say he's different? When we haven't seen him in two years. Just like you said, J.R. Smith playoff playoff J.R. Smith is different. We haven't seen him in four years. How are we supposed to know? We don't know playoff, this. Playoff LeBron and playoff and finals J.R. How LeBron? How LeBron do last year? By himself right, for well, the first time. Last year was he by couldn't himself. carry the load. He's got his boy. Got his boy he couldn't AD. carry the load for that many games. If he doesn't have the ability going when he has to go 110 percent anymore at his age, he just doesn't have it. In the playoffs, he's going to have to go 110 percent again. And I could see another injury. LeBron's body will not hold up after all this wear and tear on it. I know he puts millions of dollars into it every year, but he just can't hold up anymore. I think. Father Time is finally starting to catch up with him when he's going 110. Oh percent He can't God. keep up anymore. Same he's reason MJ, MJ ended. MJ ended his career because he was going 110 percent constantly. LeBron has taken a little more breaks than MJ, so I think that's why he's lasted a little longer. But I don't think he is able to keep up anymore in the playoffs, oh going 110 percent when games are every other day. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little worried about him. I think if you had taken LeBron all the way through last season into June, if it had been regular, then you maybe could have said that before the postseason. Is that why they were projected to be the sixth seed in the West before he got hurt? The sixth seed? That's where they were in the standings before he got hurt? Well, last year? Yeah, last year. They were the sixth seed in the West before he got hurt. You need somebody. I mean, my, even Michael, jo- Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen. You need somebody. You, you just need somebody who can produce, you know, like 15, 20-plus points a game. And to, especially in today's NBA, it's all about duos. I mean, he needs somebody. I mean, obviously he's got he's got AD, who's in my opinion right now a top five, top six player in the NBA. You know, so it's he got he's got one of the best duo guys in the league. But I still like LeBron this season is my MVP. I know he's not yours. No, he's my he's my he's my MVP. He's, he's still your okay. Well, that's surprising for you to say. I thought he would say Giannis, but he's still my MP, MVP mm-hmm. this season, and. I don't think he's lost a step really yet. I think he's still two years away from really. You don't think he has lost a step defensively? I'm not talking offensively. Oh. I'm talking defensive. We're talking defense here because you if said he could lock down James Harden, and I said I think he, he can. can lock down James Harden in the playoffs because I think playoff LeBron is actually a thing. Playoff LeBron it's is something not else. as a defense. Playoff LeBron on the offensive end. I'll give you that. We've seen it throughout his career, but we haven't seen playoff defense like a all NBA defender LeBron. That's not what we see. We see a LeBron that can take over games offensively, not defensively. We don't see that. I don't think you can lock down James Harden. James Harden is one of the best, whether you like him or not, you have to admit he's one of the best and best scorers of all time. I don't think LeBron at his age can contest with him. If you wanted to give me 23-year-old LeBron, absolutely, LeBron could at least contest with him. But at his age now, there is no way he can play with him. The only other guy who I could see guard James Harden and possibly on that Laker team would be Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis can maybe do a pretty it's good solid. job in him, but because I think, but you I, need you need Anthony Davis out on Russell Westbrook if if you because if Harden's on him and Harden stretches out the floor and it leaves Westbrook on the other side, James Harden passes to Westbrook and Westbrook has a one on one matchup to the lane. You need Anthony Davis to be guarding a big man inside. That's what makes yeah. the Rockets so well, good. The they have these shooters on the outside there, and Anthony Davis is going to have to guard one of them, and it leaves a one on one isolation matchup. 
between Russell Westbrook and his defender and James Harden and his defender. So I just don't see that really working out well for them. It's just a bad matchup on the defensive end. Offensive end, the Lakers should do well. But on the defensive end, it will be an interesting one. If the Rockets shoot the ball like they like like at forty percent three, because they shoot the ball, they shoot a ton of threes. If they hit their oh, yeah. threes, I I tell you they can win this series. But I don't think they can do that for four out of seven games. You you do remember this Rockets team who did when last time James Harden had a second star on his team, a second true basketball player that is a All Star with CP three. You know how far they went? They went to the Western Conference yeah, they Finals. They should have gone to the and finals. And we're beating the Warriors. If if CP3 plays that game, the Rockets win that series and are in the finals. Oh, and honestly, I, I think we actually see James Harden with a second star this year. So I think, again, they will be a good team. And this system just fits those players well. And I think it's just a bad matchup here for the Lakers. Because uh, look, the Lakers are going to have more success against a team like a Mavericks team who have Luka. That's more of a matchup for them because they have the height there and they don't have the dominant ball handling guards that are going to be able to kind of dominate a guy like J.R. Smith. They don't have that on the Mavericks. They have Kristaps who Anthony Davis can cover and you have Luka who LeBron or whoever you else you want can cover. So they're more matched up evenly there. But the Rockets just have too many options there on the outside that would cause havoc for the Lakers. I, I really like that Mavs matchup too, honestly, with the Lakers. I want to see how that turns out. I just wanted to add one, one more thing here before we end the show. I I have to say this about the Los Angeles Lakers. First of all, I did you see Deion Waiters in that scrimmage game? He was okay, pouring but- in threes and – Scoring from inside and out. I think Deion Waiters could – I told you, De- Deion Waiters or J.R. Smith was going to be one of the two guys who was going to do something for these Lakers and make up for Avery Bradley. And I think it could be Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters look good. So did J.R. Smith. I don't think the Lakers are going to miss much of a step. Only on the defensive end a little bit. Offensively, they won't. Did, did you watch the rest of the NBA scrimmage or did you, watch, did you just watch the Lakers scrimmage? Did you I watch the rest I- of them? I watched the Sixers game and the Lakers scrimmage and the first Clippers uh, scrimmage. Those were the three. Okay, because the Clippers played really well. Did you see how uh, playoff Paul George played? Paul George played well. Kawhi Leonard did not. Okay, and that's a preseason game. But did you see how James Harden played? James Harden dropped 25 points and 10 assists. That you're not going to credit him for that? Like, you're, you're giving uh, Deion Waiters some credit saying. there. But how about James Harden? Skinny James Harden. Better watch out. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I, if I, as a big LeBron fan, I'm not, he does not scare me at all for the Lakers. He, but I, he I, should scare you because him and Russell Westbrook are one of the best duos in the West. <sighs> I'd rank oh. them third. If, you, if you're giving me duos, I'm going LeBron, AD, Kawhi, and Paul George, and James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. Those are top three. No order in that, but those are definitely the top three. Yeah. Um, I'd make an argument that when healthy, I think I would take Steph and Clay over those two, though. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking right now. This postseason. Yeah, yeah right now. Yeah. I, I, obviously, you're right with that. But I'm saying right now, I would say those are the top three dudes. And I think if you have yeah. a duo like that, you are capable of winning any series. So that's why I, I'm saying the Rockets could be a problem. Like even if they had a capable center and played normally, I think if you have a duo like that, you're just capable of winning a series anyway. I think they're capable. I'm just telling you, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to shoot at a forty percent clip, like. I mean, no, I know they can do it. They're just going to have to do it for a whole series. I'm just not sold that they can do that for a whole series. They, they, they have a lot of guys there. Especially I mean, with the Lakers' defense. Robert Covington, very good shooter. Eric Gordon, very good shooter. You got Austin Rivers. Now, Austin Rivers, the issue with him is he kind of – he left the Austin bubble, Rivers. I believe, for some family emergency. Oh, he? He's nothing. I, if I was a Rockets fan, I wouldn't be that. Uh, I'm just saying he, he's, a, he's, a key, he's a key player. There, there are other guys like Daniel House Jr. He is very good. He actually had a shoulder injury, and it kind of has bugged him all year. And now he hit the layoff, and he looked really good in that scrimmage game. Just to let you know, he looked very, very good, and he is a key piece to that Rockets team. He actually has the eighth best true shooting percentage up until his shoulder injury combined last year and the start of this year before he got hurt. So I'd watch out for him. He's another shooter off that bench, and they just have. A team full of shooters. I mean, your big men can shoot too. You got PJ Tucker who's going to be playing center. He can shoot. Robert Covington. He can shoot. Eric Gordon can shoot. They just have a bunch of shooters lined up on the outside. And Harden and Westbrook are going to take you ISO. So watch out. 
you know, well, come down to the regular I'm season. certainly just glad that we were able to have these debates about real basketball, whether with fans or yes. not. And I, I mean, exactly. we're what we're five days away here from yeah. the Clippers on that first real bubble game. So, as I was saying, it all comes down to how it comes down the regular season and how the mentality of these teams are. Yeah, it's got to be weird for these players. Imagine you take three months off. This is longer than an off season, and now you're like eight games and then playoffs. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see these playoffs. Honestly, could be a lot of underrated. Could be a, could be a lot of um, uh, upsets. Agreed. It'd be fun to watch. I'm excited. I'm just glad to have it back. Same with baseball. It's nice. It's nice yeah. to see sports are back. What a relief! What a relief! Now, a lot of good topics here, and that will end our show for today. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to follow the podcast at Boiled Up Podcast on Instagram and subscribe to the YouTube channel, also Boiled Up Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Very fun-filled episode. And Thanks for coming see. in, Nick. Yes, Thanks, of course. Uh, a, lot of fun, a lot of fun, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what next week brings. Yes, it will.